Hello, and welcome to the Respiratory Care Podcast for September 2019. Our editor's choice for September is an evaluation of outcomes in subjects with end-stage chronic respiratory failure and extreme hypercarbia receiving non-invasive ventilation despite do-not-intubate orders. Lemizé and co-workers found that comatose and non-comatose subjects had similar outcomes. Uniquely, they surveyed surviving subjects who overwhelmingly were willing to receive non-invasive ventilation again if they developed respiratory failure. Davies contributes an accompanying editorial reviewing the use of NIV in end-of-life scenarios, including in patients with do-not-intubation orders. Rosogali and co-investigators report the evaluation of a leak-proof endotracheal tube cuff and a porcine model. Using a double-layer cuff, they report that bacterial colonization of the lung was reduced threefold. Using methylene blue placed above the cuff, they also noted no leakage with the double-layer cuff. The search for the ideal cuff material, shape, and pressure has been studied intently over the last decade with few clinical successes. In an editorial, Young reviews the state-of-the-art regarding cuff designs and the possibility of reducing ventilator-associated pneumonia by altering the endotracheal tube. Obesity remains a worldwide epidemic challenging caregivers across disciplines. Taya et al. provide a sub-analysis of subjects from the OSCILLATE trial evaluating the impact of body mass index on mortality. In previous studies, an obesity paradox has been reported, showing improved ICU outcomes in obese subjects. This paper does not find any difference in mortality across the range of BMI. Deal opines that changes in chest wall compliance and obesity might provide a chance to personalize mechanical ventilation. The use of esophageal pressure could guide both end inspiratory and end expiratory pressures. Borassa and others followed up their previous work by evaluating the impact of a gas mask on respiratory function in a group of subjects with COPD. They demonstrated that indices of respiratory effort increased slightly in stable COPD subjects owing to an increased inspiratory resistance of the mask. These data suggest COPD subjects can tolerate gas mask use without significant distress. Al-Mujabel et al. evaluated the acceptance of telemedicine pulmonary rehabilitation by both caregivers and patients. They specifically studied perceived usefulness, perceived ease of use, and behavioral intention. The authors conclude that the content and face validity warrant further psychometric testing as a measure of rehabilitation programs. Benzo and colleagues evaluated health coaching by respiratory therapists and nurses on the self-management capabilities of COPD subjects. Using the chronic respiratory questionnaire mastery domain, they found that health coaching by both caregivers improved self-management skills of subjects. They concluded that health coaching following a hospitalization for an exacerbation of COPD improved self-management compared to a control group. Abu Saltena and co-workers addressed the issue of pediatric airway management in community hospitals. Pediatric emergencies in the community hospitals are often seen as end-of-one disasters, with adult caregivers often unprepared for their smaller patients. The authors provide a multifaceted program aimed in improving pediatric airway management in community hospitals. Following the program, there was improved adherence to a checklist, including selection of the appropriate endotracheal tube size, the appropriate laryngoscope blade size, and the use of a cuff tube. The authors suggest this model might be used to improve management of a number of pediatric critical care conditions seen in community hospitals. Izakura and others evaluated the impact of phototherapy on dyspnea in healthy adults. Using a near-infrared device often used to treat pain, the authors evaluated dyspnea while subjects were connected to the inspiratory resistances of 0 
to 30 centimeters of water per liter per second. In healthy volunteers, phototherapy reduced dyspnea as measured by the Borg scale. However, the role of this in patients with respiratory disease is unknown. Heart rate variability is a sign of normal autonomic physiologic function. Pimento et al. evaluated heart rate variability in subjects with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis across a range of lung functions. They found that heart rate variability was reduced in ALS subjects with lower lung capacity. Loss of normal physiologic variability is a common finding in many diseases. Morgan and others evaluated the effect of changing apnea time during non-invasive neurally adjusted ventilatory assist. Both short and long apnea times have advantages and disadvantages. In a short crossover trial, short apnea times were associated with more frequent periods of backup ventilation and fewer instances of hypoxia as well as tachycardia. Popolis and colleagues evaluated the use of dead space monitoring in ARDS and their relationship to right ventricular dysfunction. Subjects with ARDS had serial dead space and pulmonary hemodynamic measurements during ventilatory support. They found that increases in dead space were associated with changes in pulmonary hemodynamics which might lead to right ventricular dysfunction. They suggest that serial dead space measurements might identify subjects at risk for corpulmonality. Tyler et al. conducted a quality improvement project aimed at reducing the need for home oxygen therapy in very low birth weight infants at discharge. Using a room air challenge, an oxygen reference chart, and standardized oxygen delivery guideline were developed and implemented. They reported that standardization of convalescent respiratory care practices reduced respiratory morbidities in these infants. Leanne et al. studied factors associated with full-time employment in adult subjects with cystic fibrosis. They found that higher levels of education were associated with full-time work and absenteeism was an issue in approximately half of subjects. And Pat Zidu and co-workers retrospectively reviewed the use of non-invasive ventilation following cardiac surgery. The presence of COPD, comorbidities, and renal dysfunction were associated with NIV use. NIV failure occurred in just 11% of the subjects. They concluded that NIV was successful in treating post-cardiac surgery respiratory failure in a majority of cases. Charbonnet and colleagues provide a narrative review on optimization of ventilation during cardiopulmonary resuscitation, their unique observations on the impact of chest compressions on lung volume and airway closure suggests changes to the standard ventilation techniques that are currently taught. In particular, they demonstrate that the use of PEEP, often thought to be contraindicated in CPR, might actually improve ventilation. Davies contributes a year in review covering important papers on the use of non-invasive ventilation in adults. This includes new research and new guidelines. Ridwan and others contribute a systematic review on the role of translational care on COPD readmissions. They identified factors associated with reduced all-cause hospital readmissions, including the duration of intervention and the type of care providers. Ortblad et al. provide a systematic review of patient perceptions while receiving home mechanical ventilation. This review details patients' concerns regarding autonomy and their dependence on technology. We appreciate you listening to the Restoration Care Podcast. To receive the content of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues.